0: Welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com and this Pewter Report podcast. It is a primetime Wednesday evening edition of this show where we're going to recap everything that we saw from day two of mandatory Bucks mini camp, including... Some comments from Levante David about Devin White. Very excited to get into this episode. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow colleague from PewterReport.com that's been out with us the last two days at minicamp. It is Bailey Adams. Bailey, how are you doing, my man?
1: Doing all right. How are you doing?
0: I am pretty good. So before we get into the uh, day that was for a Bucks mini camp practice, a pretty eventful day. Once again, there was a little bit of breaking news since practice ended and we started this show tonight. A couple of more Bucks draft picks have been signed, sealed, and delivered. Jason Light and company getting the job done there. First round pick, Kalijah Cancy is in the books and so is third round edge rusher, yeah, yeah, Yaya, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yaya Diaby signed as well. Now, the interesting little uh, tidbit for how these deals got done. Of course, Jason Light and uh, cap guru Mike Greenberg put their heads together and thought, what's the best way to go about this? And they restructured the contracts of two players adding on a couple of void years. That was Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr., which funny enough, I feel like they're both going to get the next contract extension after Mike Evans. Um, so the cool thing though, is the bucks are wasting no time at all. Every single draft pick with the exception of Cody Malk has been signed. So don't have to worry about any, you know, little contract disputes. They already got one with Devin white. Um, but you know, you see from time to time with rookies, with certain languages, things of that nature, but no, Everyone is on the books with the exception of Cody Malk. And I have no doubts that that will get done just from knowing Cody briefly. He's been on the show, of course. Um, seems like an easygoing guy. So it shouldn't be too many issues there. But Bailey, I find it interesting that they went to Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr. Because we're well aware about void years. I mean, it was the Tom Brady credit card that kind of got the Bucks into the situation this year. But. That leads me to believe that because it was Tristan and Antoine, these guys are going to end up sticking around for a long, long time because of this little deal.
1: Yeah. And I I think that was probably the case anyway, but it also kind of gives you an insight into maybe the framework of how they're going to get these deals done um, and the ways they're going to, they're going to try to go about doing that. Um, I think two slam dunk contract extension uh, guys that, that deserve it and, that should be getting those uh, soon. And I know there was a lot of a lot of thought and speculation that a way to create some of this cap space for these rookies is to give Mike Evans his extension, because, of course, he's in the last year of his contract. Um, but, I mean, I, I think that would still be coming this summer. I would be surprised if, you know, they went into this year with him being in a contract year. But definitely, um, you know, good to see them go after those two guys for those uh, those void years and, and to get these guys signed. I know, like you said, Cody Malk, I don't think there's any – Question: Whether or not he's gonna sign, I think it's just about making more moves and making sure they can, you know, fit his contract in on the books. And like you said, they've got one contract dispute. One contract dispute. Everyone knows the rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, they'll just stick with they'll just stick with Devin White on the on that contract issue. But yeah, I, th- I think it's it's um, good to see they're not really wasting any time with any of these and making the necessary moves to get these guys uh, on the books.
0: Right on. Uh, appreciate everybody in the chats today. Shaggy saying, love that intro video. Glad you like it. You know, we, we implemented it a couple of weeks, uh, or about a week ago or so, and people seem to enjoy it. So glad you do. And Jeremy showing some love for Bailey says, Bailey, I love the hat. with A couple of uh, lightning balls. We won't talk about, well, actually, we will talk about the Stanley Cup because the <laughs> Panthers got absolutely annihilated losing uh, nine to three. So that was see yeah.
1: yeah, go I had ahead. I wear that. Had to wear the hat to remind everyone that you know the Lightning still run hockey in Florida, and that's just the way things are going to stay.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I want to get to this comment from Richard asking any details what their contracts are. Yes, we have a uh, couple of details. Of course, uh, the story about the contract signings and extension that was first reported by Greg Almond of. Fox Sports. I want to say the Athletic. He is with uh, Fox Sports now. But Josh Capo, our resident capologist, got into the details as well. So they're both four-year deals. That's standard for every rookie. And then Kalijah Cansey, being the first-round pick, um, has a fifth-year team option as well. Uh, for the salary cap numbers, should be uh, for Cansey, it'll be around uh, two point six million. And Diaby should be around just under a million dollars for the overall cap hit. So uh, those are the numbers there in terms of the void years. Let's see. Greg Almond said to create cap space to sign more draft picks, the Bucks restructure the contracts of so Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr. Both in the fourth year of their rookie deals. They were due to make a combined $5.8 million in base salary. No extension, but frees up the space uh, they needed. So shout out to void years. Once again, Bailey, let's get into it though. I mean, we talked about it a lot on yesterday's podcast with all of the conversation about Devin white. And because we talked about it so much yesterday and Devin made his grand appearance, you thought maybe like, all right, we'll put this to bed after a little bit. But then we heard from Levante David today. And Levante is, as he spoke about, the longest-tenured Buccaneer. He's the oldest Buccaneer on this team. <laughs> he And he didn't say it out loud, but he was like, yeah, like I'm used to other veterans being here, so I'm not the oldest. Shout-out Tom Brady playing as he <laughs> finally did. But I think it was important to hear from Levante. And I thought his press conference – struck a little bit of a different chord because uh, you've seen a lot of Levante press conferences. He's been with the team for years and Levante a fantastic player. He's a future bucks ring of honor member. His press conferences are usually forgettable. That's just nothing on him. It's he doesn't have to give us like any type of like great information, but with Devin white, Bailey curious to get your thoughts and we got a video as well, but just want to hear from you first, everything that he had to say about Devin, I felt was very spot on. And He spoke from the heart, too, and at the same time kind of felt like he was once again cleaning up some of the messes that Devin White has uh, kind of bestowed on himself.
1: Yeah, I was actually really, really intrigued to hear from Levante David about this whole situation. And I think probably a lot of people were because for, for the longest time and since this has become public that Devin White has requested a trade, I think there's been a lot of kind of naturally people have been like, Well, I wonder what Levante thinks. Because so Levante's kind of taken him under his wing since he got here. And Levante's been a mentor to him and just kind of curious, like maybe Levante David needs to get in his ear and kind of say, like, All right, listen, this is how things work. It's business, blah, blah, blah. And today we finally got to hear from Levante. And it kind of was like that. He said he he kind of said that Devin's emotions got the best of him. And you know, you can you can be a passionate player, a passionate person, but not to be someone who's too emotional. Um, yeah. and, and let, I guess basically let your emotions run you. And I, I, I think he kind of, it seems to, it seems to me that that's what, you know, Levante thinks this whole situation is born out of. Um, and you know, based on what he said, you know, I, I, from what I'm remembering from t- earlier today, um, it, it's something that he kind of thinks it's resolved. Like he thinks, you know, he's ha- he's happy to be here. He wants to be in Tampa and it's just an emotional thing, um, you know, you can see maybe that's one of those things where he like you said, he's kind of cleaning up the mess because um, Devin's still out there posting some like kind of cryptic things on social media. And you're like, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like if, if he was truly and I know we don't get to not gotten to talk to him or anything. If he was truly putting this all behind him, happy to be here, you would think there would be some kind of like finality to it. where he's like, all right, like I'm playing like we're good to go. Just what we heard from Todd Bowles and Levante David was he'll be good to go for training camp you know, he's fine, he's, he's here, he's not, like, he's here for for minicamp. And I know Bowles said yesterday it was, like, a, a physical thing. It was, like, they want to see where he is physically because he hasn't been here for OTAs. I, I mean, yeah, I don't believe that. <laughs> other guys, I mean, I think there were some other guys that hadn't really been around too much for OTAs where they were out there practicing on minicamp. So, I don't know. It's one of those things where it was very interesting to hear Levante kind of open up on it. Because I kind of was expecting not much. Like, he, like you mentioned, like, Levante, yeah. I don't think, always gives – gives away too much. And, and so I was thinking, you know, he might kind of have like a casual, just like an answer and be like, that's kind of Devin's business. You know, we've talked about it, blah, blah, blah. I can give him, um, you know, advice as a veteran, but he did, he, he really kind of spoke openly about it. It was really, really interesting to hear from him.
0: And I think Devin, as you just pointed out, Bailey still continuously going on social media and like commenting on, on things that will draw the ire of Bucks fans. That's kind of what I'm talking about with Levante, cleaning up the messes but let's just get to the video so that everyone can see it for yourself uh maybe i'll read some of the comments after because there's a little wind that's going on we do this outside um uh, but here's levante talking about pretty much the number one topic for the tampa bay buccaneers outside of the quarterback competition yeah i mean it's just
2: emotions got the best of it. you know uh, i know Devin wants to be here he wants to play here so uh it's emotions got the best of it. and uh, he's here you know he's here ready to work uh, he's not ready to go right now, but uh, he'll be in the separation of training camp. And uh, you know, me, you know, I talked to him throughout the whole process. You know, whatever that stuff is going on with him, you know, I, I know the type of person that it is, and So uh, I know uh, he's ready to get back out there and So Like I said, man, don't let your emotions get be the best of you. know, sometimes that can only. You know, uh, you know, bat fire against you, you can use that in You know, everybody knows you're not that type of person. You know, you're a very passionate person, not a very emotional person. So, you know, uh, show your passion. You know, show that you, you love the game. You want to be here for, uh, for, for the city of Tampa, for the organization of Tampa. And you, know, you love playing football with your teammates. You know, he's a captain, he's a leader. A lot of guys are good to You know, as a young football player, when he came to this game, you know, he's a fifth overall pick. He made an immediate impact for us. He definitely him my there. And so, um uh, me to be here and watch them grow and uh watch you know, them food year get year is definitely uh crazy. Uh, I don't know what went on with all that, whatever, but I just uh you know haul out an after the fact. You know, I ain't talking
0: So the bottom line, as Levante David mentioned, was just Devin letting the emotions getting the best of him. And then he talked about Devin being more of a passionate person than an emotional person. But I respectfully have to disagree with Levante there because everything Devin's been doing, requesting a trade before just holding out first, that's more emotional, you know, jumping all those steps just to request a trade right in the middle of the offseason when you don't really have much leverage after, like, the first round of free agency and everything. That's emotional. All the social media posts, that's more emotional than passion. Now, passion and emotion, I, I think, are very much in the same territory. Uh, but a couple of comments that Levante said, uh, I'll skip to, like, the middle, second, and, and third parts of the video, Some of the advice that he gave to him, he said, like I said, don't let your emotions get the best of you. Sometimes that can backfire against you. I think that's pretty clear and obvious from uh, what's going on. People can use that against you. Everybody knows you're not that type of person. You're a very passionate person, not a very emotional person. Show your passion. Show that you love the game, that you want to be here for the city of Tampa, for the organization of Tampa, and you love playing football with your teammates. He's a captain. He's a leader. A lot of guys look up to him. As a young football player, when he came into this game as the fifth overall pick, he made an immediate impact for us. We definitely need the him out there. I agree with that. He knows that Devin, he's going into. He's growing into a leader. Uh, for me to be here and watch him grow and watch him improve year to year, it's definitely great to see. Uh, later he goes on to say, because, uh, you know, Levante's went through it as well, Uh, That's something I did talk to him about. Uh, Sometimes you may feel disrespected, but can't let that get to you. And, you know, Levante just had contract negotiations where he took a pay cut to come back this year. Uh, All you can do is control what you can control. And that's go out there and put the best tape out there on the field and let everything take care of itself. And then later on, he goes on to say uh, he spoke to him after all the big news came out. Uh, He just hollered at him after the fact, uh, didn't talk to him about everything, just talked to him about what can happen after this. Uh, And Levante told him how uh, the whole team feels about him, how Levante personally feels about him, uh, and what goes on on the business side uh, what they can take care of. And then he says, me as a friend and as a teammate, I just try to control and handle that part of it. So, yeah, the, the part about cleaning up the messes, the whole prove that you want to play for the city of Tampa, play for the organization of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just honestly, I don't totally buy all of that. I don't think Devin, I, I'm like. i sure Devin appreciates the fans. I'm, I'm sure he appreciates the community of Tampa. But at the end of the day, if the Philadelphia Eagles or the Denver Broncos or whoever, I'm just kind of throwing out teams. At the end of the day, if those teams – want to sign Devin to one of the most lucrative contracts to an inside linebacker in NFL history, Devin White's going to put up the Antoine Winfield Jr. and say, peace Tampa, I'm going over there. So that's the only part I kind of disagree with Levante on that front.
1: Yeah. And I know it's something that I think until Devin makes a statement like that, or kind of just shows it even with his actions that he does want to be here for this year and, and want to be with the bucks and be a leader for this team. That's what we're kind of what we're left to believe is that it doesn't really matter to him, you know, that he's a captain of the box doesn't really matter to him that he's with Tampa that they drafted him fifth overall all this other stuff. It's just who's going to give him a big paycheck, and you know if that if that's if that's what you're after, you know, fair. I mean, you have got to make your living. You've got it. You, you've got to make your money while you can. But at the same time, like it just depends. You're you're going to have to also accept that people like fans are not going to be happy with that and you might have some teammates who aren't going to be happy with with that and maybe kind of question you as a leader and question you as a captain because again last year you voted a captain this year I'm really curious to see how the captain vote goes because I, yeah. I know the players are probably more so than the fans going to be um, I guess not. I want to say accepting but more um, sympathetic, understanding, yeah, understanding and sympathetic because they go through it themselves. You know, they, they want their own, like they have to look out for themselves and their families. So they're going to understand it. I'm just curious to see, you know, if they're going to be kind of unhappy with the way he's gone about it and maybe not feel like he's one of the guys they want to represent them as a captain. It's really going to be interesting to see when that that kind of is going to unfold, I believe usually during training camp. So it's still a while away, but I'm, I'm really looking out for that because I'm curious about it.
0: Yeah, we won't really find out until late August, maybe like Labor Day weekend in in September. And yeah, typically with the captain votes, like it's a nice, fun little story. We know it's going to be Mike. We know it's going to be Levante. Typically, it's the starting quarterback. We'll see how that rolls around um, this year as well. But yeah, this will be the most intriguing captain's vote in a couple of years for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers based on quarterback and uh, the situation with Levante Dave as well. We'll get to a couple of comments from people Meets McGee says uh, he's too immature to be a team captain. He cannot take criticism. Emily Compass says bottom line is 45 wanted to be an Eagle. So basically he doesn't want to be here. There's, there's certainly truth to that. And lastly, Joel says if other teams thought he was a game changer, they would have offered the box a trade. They couldn't refuse. Yeah, that's the whole other situation in it is that Devin, at least the trade was made public. For a majority of the offseason and team, even before the draft, could have made a trade if they wanted to. But again, like financially, wasn't the right time because everyone had just signed their free agents. Yeah, I do wonder with, and it, this all depends on how the Bucks do during the season. But maybe we get another Roquan Roquan Smith situation uh, going into this year. It is uh, it is very possible. While we have Levante David on the topic, there was another point of interest that um, Levante got into. And it's just one of those, man, time flies. I'm getting older. So the Creamsicles are returning this year. Levante David is the only player on this roster. And at this point, maybe in the league, that last wore the Creamsicle jerseys when the Bucks wore them in 2012. And uh it's going to be a little bit of an updated version of these ones.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. I mean, I got a little glimpse of them. They're not like the ones I wore in 2012 at all. <laughs> well, so uh, we yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. see- <laughs> <You laughs> I get to see everything. You
3: I get to see the rings before they see- came out. Yeah, too. I can't
2: tell y'all right
0: now, but uh you should still be in for a surprise. They're really nice. Uh, I definitely like what they look. You're going to be in for surprise. I like the way they look. I don't even know what like what changes could really be made. I mean, I know when we have Rashad White on, he was talking about like different fabrics and and things like that. I'm like, I'm sure obviously it'll be up to date with, you know, the times and how every like the amount of sweat you have in a jersey and all that stuff is like so scientific. But I don't know, Bailey, I'm not sure like what else can really be changed, but I'm very excited to see what's what's going on.
1: I saw like some of the immediate reaction to that was that people were thinking they were going to be the white, like the white version of the creamsicles, like the the ones they wore back in the day. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. Um, But outside of something drastic like that, I'm not really sure unless it's just going to be kind of a modernized version of the creamsicles. But yeah, Levante giving everybody a little teaser on, you know, middle June. I don't know when we're going to get that uh, that reveal, but he's kind of got everybody kind of wanting that to hurry up and, and come out now.
0: Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see. What were your thoughts on the fact that it's announced against the Detroit Lions?
1: Um, I thought it was a, probably the a, a right pick. I think uh, I looked back at – I actually did an article for PeterReport.com back in – I think it was early April maybe, um, like list- listing which – because we knew the opponents. We didn't know the schedule yet. So I was kind of saying, you know, which games should they bring it out for, and I listed the top five. I had the Lions as my number two. And the Bears is my number one due to the whole NFC Central days yeah. and kind of a, a return to that. And, you know, after the fact, you know, this the schedule comes out and the Bears are the home opener. So I kind of looking back now thinking, yeah, I mean, that was the right choice because you're not going to wear them for the home opener against the Bears and the Lions are the next logical choice. So um, I think it's going to be cool. I think it's gonna be a cool thing for, for the fans and you know, even for the players, I think, to wear, you know, these classic uniforms and. Um, you know, it helps with the, with the storyline as far as you know the way the Bucks can market it as an old NFC Central showdown. So definitely looking forward to that one as as one of the games I have circled for the season.
0: I like that there's uh some you know symbolism behind it, a little a little bit of history. So yeah, I do think that is pretty cool to see. Um and Bucks fans will get a chance to watch them in the cream school again. Ronde Barber actually was in the building today, so that's always yeah. um that's always cool to see as well. But let's talk a little bit about bucks practice today day two bailey um, you've been out there both days and we talked about the bucks offense and i think there's you know there's one thing to watch tape of old seattle seahawks games there's one to like read articles uh, about it as well but for you personally just seeing it seeing is believing as they say and for you bailey just watching it over the last couple of days what's your overall thoughts and granted we don't know the entire offense just yet but watching this offense run by Dave Canales and you know Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, what's your overall impression of uh, of what they're putting out there as a
1: product? I think the big takeaway is, I mean, we knew this was going kind of like you said. We, we've watched we've watched old tape and stuff like that, but just seeing the way the quarterbacks are moving, you know, it's constant movement. They're yeah. they're moving in and, and design, design rollouts and things like that. Um, and I think it's it's a huge contrast to what we saw. And the last offense, obviously, because it was a, it was more of a vertical passing thing, and and um, you know you know more no risk at no biscuit. But also, it was Tom Brady, and Tom Brady wasn't necessarily rolling out on of his designed um, waggles or, or boots like that. But that's one thing that's really been, been sticking out. I think we've seen a lot of involvement with the running backs, um, you know, both in terms of the running game. We haven't seen too much of that, except not in pads or anything like that. You've seen right. some of the stuff, but as far as you know, um, c- catching passes and all that, it's a lot of quick, quick throws um you know i don't think we've seen too many downfield shots we've seen just quick throws to you know the running backs quick outs to receivers um we've seen some some patented chris godwin screens yeah. um but, just but different really, different yeah. chris godwin screens. yeah i don't want to i don't want to alarm anyone with that but some, some different different more creatively uh creatively designed screens and actually what was kind of something that that stuck out to me about something i think it was rashad that said it today rashad white mentioned that Mike Evans said something to the effect of he hasn't been this open in a while.
0: Yeah, um, I picked up that, on that
1: too. that really kind of made me like, hmm, like it's it's just an interesting little nugget that he dropped there um, from how Mike Evans is viewing this new offense and makes people probably makes people pretty excited to hear that. Because, you know, if Mike Evans is happy and Mike Evans is, is getting open, it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. I've said this before. I think for Mike Evans, who's never been known as a yak guy might have his career high in yards after the catch. I wonder if Mike's going to have a talking to with Rashad White after about, you know, it, it's, it's not a direct, but it's a little bit of a ricochet shot at, at Byron Leftwich and how the offense was run last year. But we did talk about seeing a lot of different mesh routes and, and, you know, quick passes as, as you just talked about. And I think what's going to be great almost better than anything else is Bailey, how many times last year were there, we know about the first down runs, but the fact that it would be second and nine, second and 10, second Mm -hmm. negative yards already, and you're just setting yourself up to automatically be ready to prepare for third down, where now it feels like even if you get a short four-yard completion, second and six, well, doesn't look that crazy different from second and 10, but that can make all the difference on second down where you're not even getting to third down now. And they're going to
1: avoid forbid,
0: Yeah, God (laughs) forbid. So they're going to get to those situations so much more, which when you talk about dink and dunk, that's not normally exciting. But when you talk about getting a first down on two plays instead of the stress of of third down and, all right, even if it's two yards, if you drop a pass, it's incomplete, and you're punting, I I think that's going to be – super important for this offense and if Mike Evans is getting wide open that means Chris Godwin's going to get open too and there's a lot of um excitement there some of the other notes that kind of went on today at practice Kyle Trask got the first snaps with the team so we obviously this is a quarterback competition and uh Baker got the the first reps yesterday it was Kyle Trask that uh was under center when things got going and you know he struggled a lot yesterday he didn't throw any interceptions today so that's a positive with that said there was nothing that really blew me away from either quarterback today and that goes to what you're saying Bailey about that you haven't seen any like deep shots down the field the first two days of practice I don't think I've seen one deep shot I can recall a couple to like Trey Palmer in OTAs, mm-hmm. but so far as um, yesterday and today not too many of those deep shots but I like the way that the um, you know, the offense at least held onto the football. What were some of your thoughts?
1: Yeah, and I, and I think um, there really wasn't anything that stood out too much from either quarterback. I think Trask had a better day, um, was a little more accurate, wasn't turning the ball over like he was on Tuesday. Um, I think both quarterbacks did, did really well in seven on sevens, but I mean, we were talking about there yeah. and Scott <laughs> was saying, Scott was saying, if you're a quarterback and you're not, you know, looking good in seven on sevens, that is um, a big, a big knock on you. Um, there's no pass rush, obviously. So some some touchdowns and seven-on-sevens, but not too much, uh, not too many fireworks during the 11-on-11s or anything like that. But the, the other thing that I've seen in, in this, less so, because actually, no, we've, we've seen it because we've seen um, – we'll talk about defense in a little bit. We've seen some defensive guys, you know, getting home and for would-be sacks. And, you know, they're not in yes. pads. But um, I, I think what this offense is is definitely going to help with, too, is the offensive line, especially in a state of transition they're not having to hold their blocks nearly as long with these quick mm-hmm. passes. The quarterbacks are getting the ball out. And I know Brady had one of the quick release, the quickest releases, you know, probably the quickest release in the game. But it's it's just a little bit different when you're getting the ball out as fast as they are, where it, it's almost in some some cases impossible for a, def- a defender to get home on a sack because the, it's a snap and the ball's out. So um, I think that could help, you know, especially as, as you kind of see a little bit more of a, It's just a different-looking offensive line. I know everybody's kind of still adjusting into their new roles and and kind of shaping up to see how that's going to go, but we've started to see early signs of that where it's like you're not seeing – like we said, we're not seeing these long-developing things down the field, and the offensive line is kind of benefiting from that as a result.
0: No question about it. Al Bundy says, uh, it is a bit concerning to me that they have no deep passes in their playbook. You need to stretch the field to keep the defense honest. They will have plays that go down the field. I think we got to remember that it's June. It's mini camp. Um, You know, they're working on certain things specifically. What this offense is going to do is they're going to. Obviously, you want to run play action and that brings safeties and linebackers in. They're going to bait you with the dink and dunk and the short plays and, you know, the five yard passes. And then when you think that they're going to go for that five-yard pass, they're going to take advantage of you getting greedy and wanting to stop that and and take that away. That's when they're going to hit you deep. So you're not going to see a crazy amount of um, of vertical plays like you saw with the Arians' offense. But when you do see it, I think it's going to be super effective and I think even way more effective than what you saw, obviously, last year, but at at certain times – With this um with this Bucks offense overall. I'm glad you brought up the defense, Bailey, because the way that this offense is or offense versus defense is being ran, the coaches don't know what the opposite side is calling, which obviously is a great you know training ground for Dave Canals, who's never called plays before. But man, the defense is coming from everywhere. They are blitzing Antoine Winfield Jr. nonstop. They are you know, lining up Yaya Diaby on the inside and moving one of the D tackles to the outside already, you know? So this defense is absolutely flying everywhere. And I think specifically, man, it's going to help out that right side because Cody Malk, a rookie, (laughs) a rookie getting into this league and Luke Enneke with his struggles last year, you hit the nail on the head with just releasing the blocks much, much earlier. It's going to help these guys out a
1: ton. Yeah, and, and they, we, they talked a lot about that yesterday. I know we talked to both Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, and they talked about how I think the the pressure that Todd Bowles is sending on them in practice is helping. And, and I think it's going to help. Like you said, it's going to help Canales as a play caller. Because, again, he's never called plays in games before. And this is giving him a chance to kind of see, you know, go out there and see what he's seeing from the defense and then call and adjust his play calling um, as he needs to. And I kind of want to go back to a quote from – because like you were mentioning, they're going to have these deep shots. They have these kind of the dink and duck. You're going to lure you in, lure those guys up, and then throw it deep. It was Kyle Trask yesterday, I believe. Um, trying to find it. Um, let's see. He had a quote here about um, the style of the offense, and he said – he says it's, he said it's, would say it's unpredictable. He said, you don't know what we're, you're going to get. We could come at you a million different ways and then throw it over the top of your head. You just never know. Um, he said the way, like the way that they're going to incorporate the off the uh, the weapons they have on offense into this system could make them very dangerous, and that's what like that's what he was kind of getting at was they ha- they can run these different plays out of the same formations and kind of do those those short short out routes you know run plays and draw everybody up and then all of a sudden boom they're going to throw the ball over your head they're not going to be prepared for it so I think that that should be exciting because last year things did get predictable and I know someone asked like is this you know compared to last year, is it more unpredictable? And he was like, I don't, Trask was like, I don't really want to like make comparisons like yeah. that, but it is like, it's, that's just it the is. reality of it is things got really predictable and really vanilla last year. And it should be music to everyone's ears that this is going to be a more unpredictable thing. You, you're not going to know what you're going to get these, they can line up in these formations and then run a bunch of different plays. It's, it's an exciting thing an exciting time to kind of see how this offense comes together
0: unpredictability is all we've been asking for. And you are going to get it in droves this season from running the ball differently to more creative screen plays. There will be the occasional screenplay. but I'm telling you now without giving anything away, way more creative uh, in the screen games and a way more effective passing game. As we talked about with getting guys open, not just relying on your talent to beat the other team's talents because you know, one-on-one, Mike and Chris can beat almost anyone in the league. But when you double team Mike, as great as he is, it still makes it that difficult. By the way, I don't know why all of a sudden there is all this slander for Mike Evans. There was like one tweet about like Mike Evans overrated. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's underrated. We know the thousand yard record. Look at all the quarterbacks that he's done with it. Yes, the touchdowns dropped off last year, but consistently he always puts up monster touchdown numbers and i think he's going to get back to that this year do you see it any way differently
1: i really don't i think he's he's been for most of his career an eight a 10 a 12 touchdown guy you know he had those couple years with brady where i think he had 12 and maybe 14 one year um i think he's for for and nine seasons i think he's at 81 now and you know he's very quickly coming up on that 100 touchdown mark and you know, yeah. I, I think maybe i think I would, I would be go as far as saying maybe within the next two years, he might get to that hundred yard mark. He could probably get 19 in the next two years. Maybe, maybe it takes two years and a couple games, but you no, know, I, I think, I think the production is going to go back up and yeah, I think some people are talking silly about him online and I just, it's an off season thing where it's just, I, it was one yeah. of those tweets where it was like, who's a player that you like have never understood the hype on or something like that yeah. it was a picture of Mike Evans. And I was like, first of all, he doesn't even get that much hype. Like I, I think, I think, Bucs fans probably more than anyone have seen him and they appreciate him and they're the ones who will hype him up because they've actually seen him firsthand. Other people will just kind of read box scores and look at, you know, fantasy football numbers and be like, you know, whatever Like it, it, He might have a, a down game here and there, but as just in terms of consistency and production, there's, there's not a lot of guys that have, have matched up to what he's done.
0: You know, it's crazy when, and I'm pretty sure this was his account. So maybe it was a fake account. I didn't realize it, but Cameron Jordan of all it people was was, yeah. was the was defending Mike Evans, and all he does is you know hate on the Bucks because he's he, he's with the Saints. But you know we're living in Banana Land when that's going. He on. threw
1: a barb in there to be fair to him because he does he does kind of have a little bit of fun and and t- poking at the Bucks. But he said because someone said like he gets locked down by by Lattimore, and that's always a point of contention with Saints fans and Bucks fans. But right. uh, Cam Jordan replied and was like he goes off fifteen out of seventeen games a year. And you know he's talking about the two <laughs> yeah. times the Bucks play them. I mean, you know that's what it is. But he said, you know, nine one thousand yard seasons. Um, and then he referenced Marquise Colston how he would never get his uh, his respect back in the day. So a little bit of a uh, little bit of love in between the the division rivals. But I think he's just looking looking out for a guy who deserves the respect and and isn't getting it as much as he should.
0: And Cam Jordan has uh, how many Super Bowls? <laughs>
1: uh What's the number before one?
0: A donut. Zero.
1: Zero. Yeah.
0: And since he's entered the league, how many Super Bowls have the Bucks won?
1: The oh shoot, I just forgot. What's the what's the number after zero? I think it's one.
0: One. That's right. All right, let's hear Ryan Neal talking about Mike Evans.
2: And if they don't, they you sleeping? I don't understand what else. I don't tell you. You know what I mean? I mean, even we talk about it in practice. We're in a red zone. We're like, hey, no, we're taking 13 away. Like, we know the deal. You know what I mean? And everybody in the league knows the deal. So he definitely gets that respect around the league.
0: A quick video, but I played that because Ryan Neal did play around the league. He was with Atlanta. He was with the Seattle Seahawks. So, um, you know, he's been in other locker rooms. People know how great Mike Evans is. So I thought it was important. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's when you know you look because you know that in other locker rooms, yes, he does get that respect. And it's it's guys who played against him and they know how good he is. It's just it's just becomes a discourse online when it's it just is is silly talk at this point where people are people are firing off their hot takes just because it's it's the middle of June and what else is there to do?
0: Right, exactly. Appreciate meets McGee for the five dollars super chat. They say when Mike gets his extension, are we looking to sign another free agent? Or is it for emergency signing during the season? Good question. And you know, if, if you were to ask Todd Bowles or Jason Light this, they would say we're leaving everything open. Everything's on the table. And I do, I do think that's true. Uh, it depends on who's available. The Bucks might have to move around some contracts, kind of like what they just did to sign Kalisha Cancy and Yaya Diaby, and um, you know, overall restructure some contracts. So. I think the most notable thing you would see, and it's kind of like how they got Leonard Fournette a couple of seasons ago, is uh, maybe not necessarily a big name, but it tends to be big names. Just a a veteran player that gets cut from another team during training camp for whatever reason and becomes available. uh, If there's a position of depth that the Bucs want to fill or address, a wide receiver very much may, may, may be one of them enter the top three, but I think that's kind of your best case scenario for that.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think like you mentioned earlier that Cody Malk is the one rookie that still hasn't been signed. They might have to create some more space for him. And maybe you do, you do see a Mike Evans extension, create that space and then create a little bit more space just for them to play around with and, and use as they need it as, as the season goes on. I don't know. They'd really be, I don't know. I and mean, there's guys out there right now. There's there's yeah. plenty of guys that are unsigned. I know there's even some of the Bucks own players from last year that you know, are unsigned, but it looks like they're kind of moving with the team they have right now. And if anything else becomes available, that's what you'll see them use that space for.
0: We'll talk further about mandatory mini camp, the second practice, but first we got to talk about our favorite energy drink Celsius energy drinks, the official sponsor of the pewter report podcast, make Celsius your number one pick. They have so many flavors out there available, including the ones you see on the screen there. If you want to find out where to get one of your favorite flavors, whether it's Oasis 5, Sparkling Lemon Lime, Sparkling Orange. I was drinking, uh, I'm drinking strawberry lemonade a lot. I had orange pomegranate yesterday. Arctic Vibe my personal favorite. If you want to know where to find one, um, go to the Celsius store locator on their website, punch in your address, and they will give you the most exact and accurate geographical location where to find one at your local Walmart, Target, 7-Eleven convenience store, Or your bodega. So make sure you hit up those bodegas. Get your Celsius energy drink. And then when you know you love it so much and you want more, go to Amazon. Get it in bulk. Click the subscribe and save. I'd recommend getting the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And when there's so many flavors, why limit yourself just to one? So like I said, go to Amazon. Click on the subscribe and save. And you can have Celsius energy drinks sent to your house or apartment every week. Month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want it, set it up. It's on your own terms when you want it at your uh, place of residence. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Uh, A couple other notes I wanted to get to from today's show, or from today's practice, and we'll talk about it on the show. Uh, Chris Godwin had a drop that was very rare, but Mike Evans had a couple drops yesterday as well, so... They're just getting it out of the way now. No big deal. Uh, defensively, I have uh, a couple of notes. Carlton Davis had great coverage, but he dropped an interception. Stop me if you've heard that before. But sticking in the cornerback room, Zion McCollum had a, an excellent play down the field. Now, they were in zone coverage, so the, they had guys back, and he was kind of not exactly in the flats, but he was over on the left side of the field, and a receiver went all the way down the field, had a step ahead of, of the defense, and Zion used that 4-3 speed, sprinted, and got over there and knocked the ball away. It was a fantastic play, and I think that goes to what Todd Bowles was talking about with Zion. Of just He's feeling more comfortable. He's in his second year. He understands a lot of things more, so uh, that was great to see. Uh, Nick Leverett started at center today. Robert Hainsey was uh, the the starter yesterday. Leverett's getting that today. Just important to move some guys around, especially if they have to juggle the offensive line at any point. So that was cool. Um, Kayvon Merriweather, safety, he had a a, a blitz on a sack. And Joe Tryon-Shanka, who was the uh, poster boy of today's graphic, he had a sack as well. Uh, Bailey, I don't know if there's anything I missed or anything that you picked up on from today's practice
1: on the on the jts point this was something scott and i were talking about when we were out there um you know they did an interior they had, had a stunt on the interior and it opened up a lane for jts to to find out uh, to find and and get the sack or what would have been a sack um and what some of the scott pointed out is that with the with how fast the interior guys are now like the, the, the def- defensive the defensive line is especially the interior like with kalaja with logan hall they're faster now, and that's going to allow for more stunts and more opportunities to do those and execute those and get space for the edge rusher. So something that maybe JTS could benefit from um, as he you know, as he looks to take that next step this year. We just did. We just saw a lot of pressure, a lot of would-be sacks. I know Vita yeah. Vea had one uh, on a stunt of his own. Um, and then, let me see, I think Elijah Canty got back there one time. Um, Pat O'Connor had one that may or may not have been a sack. He was in there. Um and I think David Moore, the last couple of last couple of days, yeah. from what I've seen, has kind of flashed a little bit. Um, of course, the former Seahawks receiver, and you know, it, it's it's been interesting. He's been making some plays, and kind of, I know maybe a name that's flying under the radar, but I'm wondering if he has a strong camp if we're going to see him kind of carve out a role for himself.
0: Yeah, I was talking about that yesterday too. He made a nice catch yesterday. He's in the mix. He's like back with the punt return guys too, just trying to prove that he can do a little bit of everything. He obviously comes from. Uh, spending a little bit of time in the canalis type of offense so i really and it's a long way to go we'll see what training camp but man i do think if he doesn't crack this roster he will at least be on the practice squad and will be super super helpful to this team but to to get in terms of just knowledge and you know there's a lot of young guys in the room and everyone's learning that offense to get back to jts like how can he take the next step I'm curious to see how much George Edwards, his outside linebacker coach, will be able to help him. George Edwards is very high on, on JTS. For me, I think we know the end of the game. Like He can get to the backfield. He led the team in quarterback hits last season. He's just got to finish the job. He's got to finish the last 5% of it. Whether or not he'll do it this year remains to be seen. But I think that's really the end-all be-all for JTS. Nothing more, nothing less.
1: Yeah, because we, we've talked, and I think the line has kind of commonly been he, he misses as many as he makes, but if yeah. he just, even <laughs> the, some, the ones that he misses, even if he makes half of those, you know, you see him as a six, seven, eight sack guy, because he does, he gets back there, he pressures the quarterback. And I think sometimes he just maybe over, a little too overzealous playing a little too quickly uh, and, you know, playing too fast and trying to trying to get past that quarterback and they just kind of duck out of it. But I, I think it's something that, you know, we know he can get back there. It's just, he's got to finish it. And, and I, like like I just mentioned, you know, it might be something where the the new look defensive line can kind of open up some opportunities for these edge rushers, and maybe yeah. maybe that's something where he kind of gets a helping hand there. But for for the most part, it really is about just he's got to finish. He's got to finish.
0: Without question. And speaking of uh, you know changes to the defensive line or the D line in general, T says I saw the warm up video, and my God, is Logan Hall a mammoth? Did he get bigger? Unequivocally. Yes, he did. This was something that we spoke about with D line coach Casey Rogers about a month or two ago when we got to speak to the defensive line. He talked specifically about Logan Hall, and Logan Hall beforehand wasn't even 300. He's bulked up now. He's gotten over that 300 plateau, and I believe uh, without losing any of the speed, which was kind of his calling card, was like, hey, he's a defensive tackle that can rush the passer. You know, and what comes with that is speed and now he's putting on a little bit more of the the power type of thing. I I was definitely concerned about Logan Hall going in. I feel better now that he's um he's bulked up a lot. And now you throw Kalija Kansi into the mix and I don't feel satisfied with the Bucks defensive line. And a lot of it's gonna be seeing is believing, especially right now when you know they're in shorts and, and t-shirts. But Logan Hall could be the key from making this Bucks D line Average to good to good to even great.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think so, and I think that was the big thing because we saw him a couple times last year early on in that Packers game. He had a good game um, in his rookie year, but it was always the thing where it was he needs to needs to get bigger. He just needs to get bigger. It's just something that was going to come with time, and to see him now, yeah, he's he's taking those steps that he needed to take, and I'm really intrigued. I'm really interested to see you once we get to training camp and they get the pads on what he can do and what kind of noise he can make there and. Yeah, it's when you look at the – you can see the upside. When you look at that starting uh, defensive line with Vita Vey right there in the middle, then you've got Logan Hall and Kalaja Kansi. If you look at, the, at those three, you can see what the Bucks see. You can see what Todd Bowles sees and what he can do with those guys. Um, whether or not it will play out the way they want it to remains to be seen, but yeah. <laughs> definitely kind of, can, kind of starting to see it, it shape up out there on the field, uh, at least through the first couple of days of minicamp.
0: We had a couple of uh, post-practice press conferences as well. Todd Ball started it off. I I think the biggest takeaway from his press conference is he was asked again about the quarterback competition and why do the competition when you can just give one of them the jobs and and getting all of them the reps. And he essentially said, we're in June. They're in shorts and T-shirts. A competition needs to go longer than three days. That was the biggest thing. But then we talked to Ryan Neal. And for those that maybe aren't familiar with the personality of Ryan Neal, um, we had a press conference with him when he initially signed a couple of months ago. This dude is just awesome to talk to. He's super energetic. He, you know, a lot of charisma, very personable. We'll get into everything. And you add him to the safety room that already has a great player in Antoine Winfield Jr. And then a lot of undrafted free agents. The first thing that stood out to me, Bailey, in terms of Ryan Neal, his size, man. He is gigantic compared to the rest of the safeties in that room, including Antoine Winfield Jr. But what was your impressions of him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think from the very beginning, I liked when they signed him, I liked him as a player. And I thought, you know, it was it was a perfect which is just a perfect opportunity for the Bucs to kind of swoop him up because he wasn't expected to be available. It was just the Seahawks made a trade, suddenly didn't have room for him. They had tendered an offer to him, then they took it back, and he became a free agent. And for the Bucs to to swoop in and, and get a starting caliber and you know, a starting safety to go along with Antoine Winfield Jr., I thought was great. But, yeah, from that opening press conference he had um, back when he signed to hearing from him today, it's just – I tweeted after his press conference. I said, he, if he's not already, he's going to become a fan favorite just because yeah. – it's hard not to it's hard to listen to him and not just be like drawn to him just the way the way he talks and the way he kind of he just has like you said he has this kind of charisma about him and he gives really really insightful answers to these questions and um had a lot to say just about about different things and i know one thing that that stood out was he was asked about dave canales because obviously both of them came from seattle yeah and he said that he and dave canales have a great relationship and um he said you know he's he's an enthusiastic guy and mentioned how like he his, his dave Canales' daughter like loves him and he loves her and like they have like, a yeah. great relationship and um which is interesting to kind of get that wrinkle because honestly if i'm being honest it wasn't even a, a connection i really thought of it wasn't at the forefront of my mind um, right think, like a yeah, I mean, third
0: string safety and the quarterbacks yeah. coach
1: <laughs> yeah um but they now they both find themselves in tampa in more prominent roles and it was it was interesting to hear him talk about that and yeah, it's just he's a guy that is really interesting to hear from, and and the more you hear from him, the more you you are you're able to kind of see the way he sees the game and the way he is trying to kind of carve out a role for himself. And I think it can continue to go on and on. But the the other thing he said about the undrafted free agents because he's an yeah. undrafted free agent himself, um, and he was saying the undrafted free agent safeties. He's kind of like told them anything you need like anything you need come talk to me. Like I've been there. You're like me. Yeah. Like I've been where you've been. So really cool to kind of see him he's he's brand new to this to this team but he's kind of already you know finding that finding carving out that leadership role um and, and, and you, i think you, it's you I,
0: and i think Go it's ahead. helpful be, i think it's helpful because yes he is a new guy to this team but he's also a veteran dealing with a lot of undrafted not dealing with but playing with a lot of undrafted free agents that don't yeah. know anything about the nfl a lot of rookies don't so he can come in and like be a mentor and already find his place on this team because a lot of guys are already going to be looking up to him. So we have a couple of videos of Brian Neal. This first one, he's just talking about playing in this attacking style of, uh, of defense. I mean,
2: he does everything. It's just not like one thing you can just pin him on. And, you know, being in the league, my six-year coming in, you know, I've been part of defense where we kind of just kind of did one thing, but he's so multiple. I and mean, it's, it's a challenge for the players too because you got to learn it. But it just gives you such an advantage because – offenses in this league are just super smart so you got to be able to change pictures up and change looks and that's what he's known for that's what he's great at so that's what i love most about it. the young guys all the time like just being the safety you got to you know what i mean like you know the, the mike's the quarterback in the defense but so is the safety you know what i mean you got to be able to talk to everybody you got to be able to at a position you got to be able to bring people something's coming their way and that just comes with studying the playbook and just knowing what's going on so you kind of have to be a mastermind at the defense and that's the challenge with safety so i love it and it just makes you play a lot better because you have to know what's going on around you so you take the rest of that camp, you go through it, make your mistakes, and it's cool. But you just got to learn it. You know what everybody's doing to it back to defense. I mean, I have, but this is way more aggressive than before. I mean, I come from systems where, you know, you do blitz sometimes, but this is a, this is a system where we, we do that, you know what I mean? We live it, and everybody does it. So that's the cool part about it. And uh, Like I said, you got to be smart. You got to know who's going, who's not going. Is it you? Is it someone else? So it's just like, it's just cool because we're all in attack mode. You know, some defenses kind of play safe. Can't play safe in this league. Like I said,
0: all this is smart. They'll pick your part and tell you apologize for the wind acting up there but uh you know mother nature that's what's going to (laughs) do and you mentioned that the undrafted free agents i wanted to know more about that because he he has this line in the video he's like yep like i came up from the mud too which i feel like i'm going to try to use that in my vernacular like oh this person came up (laughs) from the mud to make it but you know kayvon merriweather chris isian and uh kedrick whitehead all undrafted free agents nolan turner going into a second year also an undrafted free agent Antoine the Jr. is the only guy that's not an undrafted free agent in the safeties room.
2: And I told him from on day one, I'm one of y'all. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm not an anomaly. I wouldn't draft it. I had to get mine out the mud just like you. So even even in my room across the team, I already had a talk with him. And I told him, no, if you need something, come holler at me. I know what the journey is like. I can give you the point to, you know, make right decisions in this league and make sure you stand on top of your stuff. So, I mean, I, I take that to heart when I get my undrafted. And say, they got a special place for me.
0: Apologies, Bailey. I cut you off when I got hey. to the video there.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it was, and yeah, Antoine Winfield Jr., not only not an undrafted free agent, but a second round pick. So a little bit a little bit of a different mold. But, yeah, it's just interesting to hear him talk, talk to these guys and say, you know, I've been where you've been. I've come up as an undrafted free agent. Come talk to me if you need anything. And that's really cool to hear him, you know, take on that role.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. And before we end the show, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about friend of the program, Rashad White, who also uh, had – a press conference after practice today. You talked a lot about the offense, little different things about it. Uh, The thing I was curious most is, and not just with Rashad, but a lot of the players, how much are they talking like in between plays or in between sessions? Because everyone's learning this offense and you see Baker pull guys aside. Kyle Trask has had those conversations as well, but Rashad kind of talks a little bit about everything. And then I have a question for you, Bailey, after this video is done. Right now, what's expected? Uh, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm just out here having fun. I mean, just it just it's, it's feel good to be out here be healthy. Uh, my teammates
3: just uh, you know, have just the atmosphere and the things. It just, it brings out, like, camaraderie to me. Uh, like, trash talking, just having fun, just uh, showing a different side of other guys as well good you know the running back position and how it is and, and you know, where guys trying to go with it yeah um, it's kind of great to be actually do everything as well as just having um excuse me having guys behind you like you know I got Keyshawn and, and Sneak I mean Keyshawn and Chase and just things like that um, and, and that's how it be though you always need some help and stuff like yeah. that so it's gonna be great it's gonna be well balanced
1: what do you feel you have to do to reach the next level what's your focus here in OTA's mini camp
3: uh, my biggest focus is just uh, like you said just getting better every day like you said just getting my plays all down just being able to go out there and play fast with confidence um, uh, at the end of the day um at the end of the day you know, it's a team game uh obviously yeah, i focus on me and do my job and that's all i can do but honestly it all comes from the work out there just getting better footwork getting bigger faster stronger just learning in the, in the, in the meeting rooms and, and things like that how to do things better obviously going against the defense it gives you different looks and they play things differently so just going against all them different looks and just keep talking with your tools i mean so we kind of talk a lot i mean every guy in the room got a great uh, is very comfortable with each other to come up and ask questions and things like that, which is what I liked about the room. I saw this coach coaches up the best he can and things like that. So I mean you just got guys like Chase who came from West Coast offense and things like that, who ran it before you just ask him what you do in certain looks. Obviously he's been a great receiving back, obviously I can catch the ball but I feel like I can run good routes as well. So certain looks I get when we spread out a lot. Uh, I ask him what can I do on this, what can I do on that, and things like that. Like we got that open communication. Like I said, Keyshawn asked me, oh, what you gonna do in this release there's like things like that, so it's just great environment, great vibe.
0: So Bailey, my question to you: The Bucks have not had a 1,000-yard rusher in quite a while. I believe the last year was 2015 with uh, with Doug Martin. Will Rashad White reach 1,000 rushing yards this season?
1: I want to say yes just because I like Rashad White and I think he's a very pretty good player. I still am not ready to say yes. I th- I'm think i going to say no. I think he's going to have a good season. I think the the role that he's going to play in this offense is going to be a pretty you know significant one. Um, but I think we're also going to see Chase Edmonds. I think we're going to see a little bit of Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, and I don't I don't think I, I'm bold enough to say we're going to see the Bucks' offense rushing offense go from what it was last year yeah. to have a thousand yard res- uh, rusher this year. So unfortunately, I'm gonna say no, but I hope I'm wrong.
0: I, re- I appreciate your honesty. It's very level-headed and reasonable answer. Uh, Rashad White was kind of asked about if he sets any goals for himself this year and he started off by saying I'm a team guy. But he does have something a little bit in the back of his head about that 1K.
3: Just kind of being naturally, I mean, so kind of cliche, I'm just a team guy. I'm just here to be honest, do my job. Of course, you have goals and you want things like that. Of course, I mean, every day you pay attention. I mean, what, a thousand yard rusher, like eight years or so, or however many since Doug and stuff like that. So I pay attention and, and read up and, and just see on all that type of stuff. So, of course, uh, you want to eclipse that, but at the end of the day, if I am just keep doing my job and doing what I'm supposed to do, I'll
0: have to take care of myself. Rashad White, a bit of a team historian, pointing out that. I believe he said eight years. Uh, the last year was 2015, so going into this year would be the eighth season uh, unless Rashad gets it. I think he's going to hover right around it. Like Remember, Ronald Jones almost got it a couple of years ago, and then I can't remember if he got hurt or he got sick I or think something. he got
1: COVID, I think. Wasn't yeah, it? I
0: believe he got COVID, and that kind of stopped him, so – yeah, a lot of this depends on the new changes with the offense the scheme. Um, they are going to be run heavy, which I think helps. But to your point, just the rotation of running backs, what we've seen this year. Wayne Hank- Hankinson is uh, predicting he's going to have 1,200 yards, which every Bucks fan would sign up for that. Richard asks, uh, says, uh, Rashad White, 900 rush yards, 400 receiving yards. Yeah, I I kind of think that you're going to see even more of an impact with Rashad in the receiving game than you will as a rusher. So he's going to have a ton of um a ton of like all-purpose yards. Uh George says Rashad will get a combined 1500 1600 yards. Yeah, I could I could see something along yeah. those lines. And Al Bundy says, "Too many what ifs." Sean Tucker, Gettigy, Baker. I am not sure if he will get a thousand. He looks like he is talented enough to be one thousand yard running back, but there are too many other factors. I can see nine hundred for sure. Yeah, that's um, yeah, another really good response. I think it's just so many different variables, everything like that. We'll end with these last two comments. Richie P says, "Dude, if he knows how long it's been, then he wants to run the rock till the wheels fall off." Great comment there. And then Flash Gordon taking a big swing says, I'd protect 1,700 rushing yards. I'll Uh, take it. That would be quite the monumental uh, (laughs) feature for uh, Rashad White if he were able to do that. Uh, What's also been monumental is this show. It's been the greatest show of all time. We appreciate everybody watching it tonight and all the uh, contributions from the Peter people in the chat. Please make sure that you are liking and subscribing to this video and please follow us on our social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Peter Report and our YouTube channel, Peter Report TV. We got a ton of content out already, more content to come. Uh, Please like and subscribe. We'd really appreciate that. We'll have one more show tomorrow night where uh, we kind of wrap everything up. It's the Bucks minicamp final analysis, our last thoughts about, what went on during the week of Fox minicamp, but that's going to do it for us on tonight's show for Bailey Adams. I'm Matt Matera, saying thanks everybody for watching and we'll see you tomorrow night for another edition of the Peter report podcast. Peace out.
1: Out.